Chapter thirty six of the Wife of the Secretary of State. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Diana Meilinger. The Wife of the Secretary of State by Ella Middleton Tybout. Chapter thirty six. The last door slammed, and the last carriage rolled away. Sleepy servants thankfully began to set the house to rights, for the secretary and Mrs. Redmond had entertained the president and members of the cabinet at dinner, and the guests had at last departed. Mrs. Redmond looked at her husband and smiled. "'Well, it's over,' she remarked. "'I never enjoyed the cabinet dinner so much before. And the season is over, too. I am not sorry.' "'Tired?' questioned the secretary. "'Come with me into the library.' I must smoke my cigar, and I'd like your society to improve the flavor. A speech worthy Monsieur Dupre himself, she returned as they entered the library. What a famous fire! How the diplomatic world changes, remarked the secretary, striking a match. Waldmere gone, and Lindhurst going. I fancy the latter was rather hard hit by Isabel. He tells me he intends to give up diplomacy and settle down into an English squire. I hope he may find some nice girl at home waiting for him. I hope so too, John. Mr. Lindhurst is every inch a gentleman as well as a nobleman. He could not soil his hands with anything unworthy of him. Why should he? inquired the secretary, surprised. She did not reply, but her face grew very thoughtful as she gazed into the fire, and the secretary felt a hand in his grow suddenly cold. Now, Waldmere, he continued, gently chafing the cold hand, was very different. Despite of his polish and brilliancy, I never liked him. Wonderfully clever fellow, though, Estelle. But there was a hardness about him quite repellent to me, and I believe him to be unscrupulous and without mercy. Heaven helped the woman, for instance, who was in his power. For a moment she did not reply. The handsome library, lined with richly bound volumes, some of them almost priceless, had vanished and she was again in the octagon house with Count Waldmere, they two alone in the great dark cellar, with only the dead man above to keep watch. "'I am cold,' she had said. "'Then, madame,' he had responded, "'we will light the fire.' She remembered the lifting of the candle, and the flickering of the flame in a draught from the chimney, also the mass of ashes upon the hearth after the maps were burned. "'You are not just to Count Waldmere, dear,' she said gently. I know of one woman, to whom he was both merciful and generous. Well, he insisted, laughing, I'm glad to hear it, but I'm willing to wager she was the exception and not the rule. Turn off the lights, she said. I want just the fire. That's light enough for confidences, isn't it, John? How dull your opals are tonight, remarked Mr. Redmond as he complied. They scarcely glow at all. He lifted the jewel at her throat and looked curiously at it, as she drew a footstool to his chair, and leaned her head against his knee. "'John,' she said after a long silence, "'of what are you thinking?' "'Of you, dear, and of the completeness of our life together. It is so wonderfully satisfying.' A scarlet flame played about the opal for an instant, then faded, and the stone hung cold and colourless. "'I read somewhere,' she said slowly, that between a man and wife should be perfect confidence, that there should be no reservations one from another, 
that without such confidence real happiness was impossible and love could not endure. Do you believe this, John? The secretary watched the smoke of his cigar fade into space. It is the generally accepted theory, Estelle, he said quietly. But, as you know, I do not believe in it. Between a man and woman, in fact, between any two human beings, real happiness is impossible without some reservation. Too close an intimacy brings with it carelessness and contempt. In my opinion, a man has no more right to raise the curtain from his wife's silence than he has to enter her dressing-room uninvited. Do you really think so? I know it, Estelle. Endless misery is brought about, and useless suffering inflicted upon the innocent by mistaken ideas of duty, hysterical, so-called confessions, which open wounds about to heal, leaving ugly, ever-present scars to mark the place. It's my hobby, you know. Why did you get me started on it? Sometimes, she said. Quite often, John. I think it would be better if I told you more about my early life. You take me too much on trust. Love brings with it faith, dearest. The book of the past is closed forever. I do not wish you to open it for me. But, she persisted, once I did you a great injury. I would die for you, gladly, but I nearly wrecked your life and mine. He laid his hand gently upon her lips. Hush, dear, he said. You don't know what you're saying. Whatever it was, whatever you imagine you have done, don't tell me. I do not want to know. Only one thing matters. Do you love me still, Estelle? It isn't that. Let me look into your eyes. The fire flamed brilliantly as he bent over her. The dark lashes, heavy with tears, were slowly raised, and the secretary gazed through the clear blue eyes into the heart of the woman he had married. The lock charred and fell apart. Estelle, he exclaimed, I believe you are asleep. No, she returned gently. Only very, very happy, John. That is why I was quiet. We have been sitting here an unconscionable time, he said, rising. I don't know what I was thinking about to let you do it. I suppose I must have been happy too, eh, Mrs. Redmond? He turned on the light as he spoke, and paused in astonishment. Estelle, he ejaculated, look at your opals. What can have happened to them? The jewels were cold and lifeless, without color or fire, and crossed by a network of innumerable tiny cracks. She slowly removed the necklace and girdle, and took the crescent from her hair. The diamonds flashed as brilliantly as ever, but the opals were worthless bits of broken stone. As she gazed incredulously at them, she remembered the history of the Khedive's opals as related by Count Waldmere, and her lips parted in a tremulous smile. "'Extraordinary,' said the secretary, examining the pedant close to the light. "'I think,' said Mrs. Redmond softly, "'I am too happy to wear opals, John.' "'I'll take them to the jeweller,' he responded, "'and see what can be done, but I think you will never wear them again. "'Such wonderful stones, too. "'Well, Estelle, let us have a glass of wine. "'We need it after this last shock. "'Come, I insist, for you must be very tired.' She followed him to the dining-room, and held a sparkling glass thoughtfully. "'The last of the season,' she said. "'Even the opals are ended. It's over, all over. Now, John,' she raised her glass, "'here's to the best man in the whole world, the Secretary of State.' The Secretary smiled, and touched her glass with his. First, he said fondly, 
to the wife of the Secretary of State. End of chapter 36 End of the Wife of the Secretary of State by Ella Middleton Tybout.